Welcome to the Butterfly Effect Studio. I'm your host, Christian Rebenek. As you know, based in the care of three, small changes can have a big impact. The goal of this session is to uncover how leaders and change makers develop their purpose, competences, and community to achieve a great positive impact. Every of the episode is packed full of ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Rob Greenfield, head of Earthtopia and account director at 33 seconds. And with Earthtopia, he provides planet-saving hacks, news, and solutions for 288,000 followers on TikTok. Really great to have you in the studio. Thanks, Christian. Yeah, nice to be here. Well, um, tell me a little bit about more about your background. What inspired you also, especially now looking at Estopia and what you have there as an impact? What inspired you actually um, on this journey to come to where you are today? Yeah, so I guess I'm kind of um, been on a kind of long-winded journey into the environmental space, but it all sort of started when I was at university, as a kind of university, and one of the things that I noticed there was that there was a lot of rubbish around my halls and quite a lot of people, particularly when you move halls into into flats, like in your second year, people get rid of a lot of stuff and were throwing it away. And um, that just really frustrated me that there was, I'd go to the bins every day and it'd be full of people just throwing away perfectly good things that they could sell on or they could, um, you know, repurpose. And um, I kind of thought, well, why don't I do something about it then instead of getting frustrated by it? So I joined a uh, local environmental champions organization where they basically it was a student run organization that helped students with their recycling but also when they moved uh, flats uh, or halls to like make sure they weren't just getting rid of stuff they were either selling it on or giving it to people in need so um, we used to go around to halls and we'd help people um, yeah basically repurpose their things or recycle properly um, and it kind of grew from there really when I, when I left university I, I really I got a lot from that I think it kind of made me feel empowered and also mm -hmm. I was helping the local community in the local area so when I got back home I started volunteering with some local organizations um for example London Wildlife Trust um there's a natural park in Camley Street it's this uh, next to King's Cross uh, station it's this tiny little park right it's so close to the station you can hear the trains the announcements but it's this beautiful oasis in the middle of London and I would go there on weekends and kind of help with um habitat management and also um basically encouraging people to come visit and if, if people were there and they had questions I'd kind of help answer those but that all kind of grew into this okay I, I'm really enjoying being out and about in the environment and helping the environment and I, I wanted to use that as a job potential job and I interned at um, Forum for the Future which is like a environmental consultancy um, and I was there for a couple of months again we were looking at um, innovations in uh, climate solutions and we were trying to find the kind of future things that if scaled up would be um, you know incredibly powerful and I again I massively enjoyed that um, but then as jobs always do you, you need money and you need to kind of um, you know just find something that will, will make ends meet so I started working in a few jobs that weren't in the environmental space but I joined 33 seconds which I'm at now which I've been there now for seven years um, when I yeah well seven years ago but I when I worked there I wasn't really working on environmental clients I worked with Amazon and car brands but slowly but surely, we started to work with more eco-focused brands like WWF and Greenpeace. And that's how it's kind of come full circle now is I've, I've managed to work on some incredible campaigns with WWF and um, with Sky on their kind of net zero commitment. Um, and it all led to Earthtopia, which basically we set up three years ago as an agency internally. We wanted to 
um, have a positive impact on you know young people and climate solutions and we decided as a team as we had all this expertise with the with the clients that we work with and myself being very passionate about the environment and um, we wanted to kind of use the expertise and put it on TikTok and create really like um positive and like solutions and action focused content and that's where Utopia um grew from and now has yeah grown into this huge community that I run on a daily basis Amazing. So now this looks like it's a sound story. It's so easy. Was it like always this clear? I mean, um, that you will really didn't just somehow lose faith or say, hey, um, nobody will change their behavior or something like that. Or say, hey, um, this doesn't make much sense. And I mean, just imagining um, when you started at university, this project, this, this is quite a long time ago. Um, I think the mindset also about sustainability has changed and evolved eventually. Yeah, massively. I think, you know, recycling was always kind of viewed as this, like, we need to do that right and the rest will follow or, you know, we shouldn't worry about other stuff. But as as it's kind of moved on and the climate crisis has moved on, there's so many elements to it that we're, under, you know, we're, we're only really understanding now the impacts that our food and our clothes and our power is having on on the environment. So recycling is really just a drop in the ocean when you think about it. So it has kind of moved on to these, um, you know, particularly now as well, I think a lot of people are, are realizing that it's these huge brands and these huge industries that we need to change and we need to come down harder on because they're the ones that are really causing the most emissions and the most negative impact. And the individual actions that, that, that I think it's all part of the same ecosystem. And I think, you know, it takes governments, it takes businesses and it takes individuals in that order to have a positive impact on the environment and we all need to do our bit, but it's less so about individual actions and recycling. And it's more so about, well, can I actually change my energy provider? Can I, um, you know, move my money away from banks? Should I be putting more pressures on my own company that I work at and make sure that they're, you know, going net zero or they're, they're adhering to certain things that are positive for the environment. So um, I, I've gone, I've come a long way in the kind of, do I think we're on the right path? Will we come out of it? And, you know, I have, yeah. have days where I'm, I'm super anxious and climate anxiety is a real issue, particularly amongst young people. And a lot of our communities say how anxious they are about their, their future and about, you know, whether we're putting the planet into a point of no return. But I have days where I worry about that and I have days where I see some incredible stories and incredible people and like businesses and organizations that are, are really you know, they're on the front lines of climate change and they're having, they're, they're creating or they're, um, they're, they're creating either products or solutions that we can scale up and we can really use to fight the climate crisis. So I'm still in the middle, I guess, in terms of um, where I think we might go. I think the next 10 years, maybe even five years are really critical because we have a short period of time mm. around, but I've definitely got hope. What what have you seen have been the key arguments for people um, to actually realize and take action? Because I think what has, I mean, the realization part, I think there is a lot of common knowledge around the climate crisis and they need to do something. But then again, you can argue it's there for centuries, uh, not centuries, but decades, actually. Um, so that knowledge is not new. So what is what do you see now as the key parts, actually, to raise that engagement um, and make things actually moving? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of what we do on Earthtopia is we try and make it relatable. And I think it you, everyone knows that you see in the news, like this is part of the reason why we set up Earthtopia is, is because the news is very much, there's wildfires, there's droughts, there's floods, there's these, you know, very visual, the ice caps are melting. There's these, these visual representations of the, of the problem. You know, it's, it's the, the world is warming and, and we're, we're the cause of it. 
we're predominantly the cause of it, fossil fuels and, and you know, man-made um, CO2 emissions. But I think what it's hard is that there's a disconnect between that and then, well, what, what am I doing or what can I do? What, what is my everyday life impact? But then also, what, what can I do in my everyday life to have a positive impact? You know, whether it be, like I said, amongst communities or businesses or, you know, voting against certain policies of your government. Um, so I think it's really important that you try and link those issues to like, well, this is actually, it, you know, for instance, there's, there's, there's stats around like um, fashion in terms of like, it takes thousands of liters of water to create one pair of jeans. And like, in your mind, you're like, well, that that's mad. I never realized that, like you're wearing so much water right now, just because of the, the production of cotton or whatever it might, whatever material it might be. So I think just being a bit more conscious of like, buying less things is a, is a big part of um, making it more relatable. But then also it's the kind of um, trying to raise awareness now of like the organizations and the businesses that are really bad for the planet and have been operating, like you say, for as long as the climate science has existed, big corporations have um, either hushed it or they've tried to cover it up. And there's been loads of studies on how Shell and BP hired the best climate scientists in the world to basically look at the impact and they, they kept it all quiet and they didn't want people to find out. And we're only now realizing um, how bad those companies have been and how bad they are. Um, so, yeah, we're really, really trying to like raise awareness of that and then put pressure on those those businesses and governments. to. The, if you're talking about those students, we often like to refer to a circle of influence as an as a analogy and um which has the three circles, circles of concern, um, the circle of um, influence and circle of control. And the things what we always look in the circle of concern, oh, there's a climate crisis. There is something I can complain about, but then often we don't take action. And we have the circle of influence and, and the circle of control. And obviously control means the more I can tangibly directly change, um, like the skills I have and what things I can do and influence other people I indirectly can influence and ask, for example, to do something and collaborate on. And uh, what you described is so beautiful because I think um, when it comes to a circle of concern, instead of having something outside and I don't do it, just complain, I take it into my circle and I really start working on it. Yeah. Um, but the second thing um, to actually have an impact on this, what we want to change, um, it's really this kind of skills, competence uh, to develop them. Um, and you mentioned already a couple of things, but looking backwards, what are, from your perspective, the, the competence and the skills which help you most actually um, now to build all that and have that kind of impact? And you mentioned a lot analysis. You mentioned about, um, you know, um, listening eventually. What, 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 what from backwards, what is that from your perspective helps you the most actually? Well, I think one part of something that I've realized, you know, I, I've three years ago when I started filming myself uh, in lockdown on, you know, for videos, I was super uncomfortable with it, if I'm perfectly honest. And I hated the idea of that yeah. I would be out there, you know, on social media. And, you know, we do get people that write horrible comments and say climate change isn't real and they, you know, they have a go at us. And I think you have to have quite a thick skin for that and be, you know, as much as we get hate, mm -hmm. we get a lot of love. And a lot of the time we help people, you know, we get a lot of comments where people are like, I had a really rough week or like, I'm really worrying. And this has helped me you know, bring a bit of positivity and hope. Um, but back to that point, I think um, one thing that I did quite a lot at school and at university was I was quite a confident public speaker. And I found that actually those skills that I learned speaking in lectures or you know presenting something was actually really useful for when it came to filming videos of myself, because it, it kind of helped me those skill sets were grounded in okay I know how to like read off a script or I know how to like memorize a line and that actually was really <laughs> helpful 
camera um, when you have to, you know, learn scripts and remember lines. And I think presentation skills, if you're good at that, you'll be good at going on camera and recording yourself as well. Um, but yeah, another part of my job, I mean, we've often, when we work with clients on my on my agency side, so I work 33 Seconds as an independent communications agency. And as I mentioned, we've worked with brands in the past like WWF. And what they would do is give us a brief. They would say, we want to achieve this. This is the key messages. This is like, you know, um, some of the like audience that we want to target. And how would you do it? How would you execute it? And having that in my mind. So I like always thinking like, what's the brief? What am I trying to achieve here? What am I, you know, what are my objectives? Who am I trying to reach? What are the key like pillars or the key messages that I want to land? Like that, that learning that briefing process has been incredibly beneficial when we create videos because we always mm. look at a video and say, okay, what's the objective of this video? Who is the audience we want to reach with it? And like, what are some of the key messages we want to pull out? And with TikTok videos, you have to be super sharp and succinct. And I think just always having um, that mindset of like, what's the objective of this? What's the brief here? And it will really help you form those videos. So it's, it's really great communication and also storytelling. How did you learn that? I mean, that has taken a while. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. When we first uh, started the videos, we were very much, um, we would we would do a lot of eco hacks and, and kind of very short videos that didn't have much texting or much speaking. But I think as the community has developed, we've started to hone in what people are really interested in. And we get a lot of questions from people saying, what's your recommendation on this? Or will you cover this topic? And I think um we try and break it down to like a headline which is really going to grab someone's attention and go okay well I'm, I'm you've piqued my interest or i don't know about that issue or i don't know about this solution is the kind of hook for people to come into the video and then throughout the video you'll you'll you know you'll have incredibly powerful or interesting stats that keeps people uh, um you know attentive to it and then at the end of the video we'll have um a kind of cta for our audience so it'll be comment you know let us know in the comments what you think about this solution or have you ever tried this or done this um and breaking those breaking those videos down in a kind of very um logical order it really helps with the storytelling but i think you've got to be passionate about the topics you talk about as well like a big part of what we cover we try and do topics that we generally like there's, there's me and two other people who work on earthtopia and it's like if you have a passion point if you're interested in fashion in nature in cars or you know in food like pick that and hone that in and really focus on the stuff that you can talk very confidently and passionately about because it comes across a lot more authentic and every industry every topic area has pros and cons to it so uh, you know if there's anything you're really interested in you want to take a, a storytelling angle on it there's there's going to be an opportunity there uh, amazing so but if i understand you correctly the biggest part of that you actually learn based on the projects you have done. So you took a project, you wanted to do that, and then you see how can we optimize, how can we reach our audience even better and thought about this process and then build it up from there. Um, uh, well, what are you now? And it sounds like, again, it sounds a little bit easy uh, from, from the outside, but what are the, what has helped you actually to accomplish that as from looking from a habits perspective? What would you say are your key habits actually you have maybe established or built up to to make that um, sound as easy as <laughs> to make that actually, uh, yeah, possible? There's quite a few, but like some that come to mind is um, I think always be 
like looking out for inspiration like there's some incredible eco creators and incredible story storytellers on social media not just tiktok across all the channels and youtube is another good example that the, the content is a lot longer but actually there's some incredible vloggers who are really eloquent and they're very good at executing videos so we've always you know followed people that we're really interested in and, and look at how they're doing it mm -hmm. and you know are there anything we can learn from this or ways they're presenting it or their kind of body language is a, is a good one as well so i would say like you know keep a close look on people who inspire you and just see how they're doing it and, and you know potentially write down what what are some of the key ways they edit videos or they maybe say things or what are they opening with um but apart from that i mean we also um keep keeping uh, track of the stories is a big part of what i do there's so many solutions out there and there's so many news stories about positive things happening so we have a very um robust kind of document where we'll, we'll rank everything in order of how how um, powerful we think the message is or how interesting or timely it is and we'll try and jump on those and be quite mm -hmm. reactive so i think you have to be quite nimble when it comes to the stuff that we do um around solutions because sometimes they'll be picked up in the media or they won't be and you want to it's quite topical because there might be a wildfire and then there's a solution to that um and you want to make sure you're covering that in in the next week because it's obviously in the news um but yeah and aside from that i think we have a we have like a lot of brainstorms it's quite a collaborative process for us um there's the three of us that work on it we kind of we meet up once a week and we have a, a sort of trends brainstorm where we look at what's trending on social media what's happening on TikTok, and just trying to stay on top of um you know what's going on in the in the world but also what's going on in social media um so yeah i'd say be nimble keep an eye on people that inspire you and just look at how how they're, they're doing it and then also um yeah stay on top of trends and current news amazing rock that's really interesting for and you've mentioned already now the people you worked with um they shaped you but looking on your your journey and your career who are the people who have influenced you the most um, or um, who you really like built on top, collaborated uh, with eventually? Yeah, well, I think some of the um, some of the eco creators we've met in this space. So Sam Bentley is one you may have heard of him, but he's he's incredible. Mm -hmm. And we've met, met up a few times. Um, there's also a woman called Positively Green, and I've met her a few times and she's very passionate, very positive and um, yeah, I think there's also there's a girl called Emma Greenwood. Um, she's a young uh, eco activist and she's incredible. Like this was what blows my mind is like I'm I'm 31, but I'm meeting people who are like 19, 20 and they're just as passionate as I am and they're just as knowledgeable and they they're so young. When I was 20, I didn't really have a clue what was going on, but they've <laughs> grown up with it now. And I think you know they're just so engaged and so knowledgeable on, on this subject. So. Um, meeting those people has been incredible and I think you know from a from a career perspective like I've had some good managers at 33 seconds who have kind of taught me the basics and helped me um, develop in the in the client side of stuff which I've applied to Earthtopia and like I say we're using the briefing process and applying that to Earthtopia is something I learned mm -hmm. at 33 seconds so I can thank my um, my managers for those helping me go through that process and applying it to to eco content mm -hmm. as well um and the other so no i really i need to come this this because i looked at your tiktok feed and it's really tremendous it's really very inspiring and um and i think this has a great effect also um like literally even on the planet i would say because it's some really concrete um life hacks relevant things where i can take eventually action um 
maybe I don't know if and the, we don't have so much time, but maybe you can give some kind of a taste. What was one of the most interesting things, maybe for yourself, um, insights you discovered on your actually journey, and then maybe triggered also a lot of response. Yeah, well, one that comes up quite a lot is uh, milk. So I think there's, I mean, obviously the the meat industry, you know, meat is very uh, carbon intensive and there's a lot of land use, a lot of water use. There's food grown for animals to eat, which just seems very backwards when you think about it because the amount of food and land and water used to grow this protein and then we just eat it and it's, it doesn't really balance out. Um, but actually one area that is also quite bad is the dairy industry. And we often do posts around, you know, which is the most sustainable uh, plant-based milk. And it turns out yeah. that people are very opinionated on this uh, topic. So there's people who won't touch plant-based milks because they love dairy milk too much. And I'm actually a big fan of oat milk. It is one of the most sustainable milks out there. But the real kind of hero milk is hemp milk because hemp is this incredible wonder wonder plant that absorbs loads of carbon as it grows it doesn't need pesticide you can use all the um the elements of the plants so there's no wastage but hemp milk is actually quite expensive it's also quite hard to find so it's not as accessible of your, as your oat milks and your soy milks so um that was a big one that kind of shocked me was learning about the milks and then actually when we would post these videos just finding that there were people who were like no i'm team hazelnut milk i'm dairy till you know till i die and other people being like i've, I've tried oat milk but i haven't found one i like yet so um that was one element of it but i mean there's tons of stuff the fashion industry is a huge one that i really was shocked to discover mm -hmm. how much waste and pollution and water and um i think what's really good at the moment is that second hand has become the new normal like most young people even older people buy second hand they buy vintage they buy stuff off depop and vintage they go to charity shops and that's become very much a normalized and almost cool behavior so that just shows you when and i think the eco side of it isn't really front and center for people it's more oh i can make money from it it's cheaper the clothes are really cool because you know they're a bit older they look a bit cooler but um that that side of it when you start looking at fast fashion and the impact of that that was an incredible um shock for me like seeing how how bad it was but actually the solution is already there and it's second hand so thank you very much just for the audience if you haven't done this yet check out the tiktok feed i think from our it's really very inspiring again also it's like very tangible what we can do. One thing I learned talking about food is that actually, because it's interestingly in every country, we have different like cultures around food and what tastes well. And um, typically, I don't know, let's say if you're from China and you don't have to drink milk, then milk is really disgusting for you. Um, now, the German, Germans have a lot of milk. Um, then maybe some other things are disgusting. The interesting fact is that actually um, taste is something learnable and you will adopt always um, to anything new. Um, and it, it was very surprising. I tested this out yeah, to actually experience something which doesn't taste well for me. It wasn't oat milk, but it was something similar. And I thought, oh, it actually really works. You really get used to it. And then all of a sudden, it's actually integrated in your life and it's totally fine. And even maybe the, the other products, not talking about milk, doesn't taste that anymore so well because you're just not used to it anymore. So this is a, this is possible. Um, you don't need to be just opinionated. It's really something we all can learn. Um, yeah. Rob, uh, now moving, coming to the end a little bit. Um, um, what would be the number one thing, um, uh, what maybe for our students, imagine yourself, um, you mentioned about those 18 year, 19 year old people, but imagine your younger self, which advice would you give yourself 
um, when you're looking back? I think, um, as I mentioned at the start, like I've kind of gone on quite a long-winded journey in terms of going into the eco space. And when I went to university, I didn't ever think that was something I was going to do. So my advice to my younger self and to any people younger who are watching this is um, don't be too worried on knowing exactly what you want to do in life. I think you'll be pulled in different directions and I would recommend trying as many different things as possible and not um, not being too pressurized by outside pressures like your friends are perhaps doing this and you're doing something completely different. I think, um, you know, you'll find, you'll find your purpose eventually and it, it will take years. I'm still in the process of finding my purpose, so I'm not there yet, but I feel a lot more purposeful than I ever have. And I think, um, yeah, I, you know, I went to the university and did criminology and I'm not using that in any shape or form now. So I think it's important to not put too much pressure on yourself to, um, adhere to something when you're that young and that, you know, your, your, your mindset and your opinions will change and you'll probably be exposed. Well, you will be exposed if you try different things. So you definitely try more things as well in different industries and different jobs. So, um, yeah, just don't, don't put too pressure, much pressure yourself to know exactly what you want straight away. Love that. That's a really great ending, Rob. Let, let, let the thing emerge for yourself and don't be afraid of it. It will all happen and unfold uh, eventually. Rob, thank you so much for joining our discussion in the Butterfly Effect Studio. Um, yeah, uh, thank you and have a great day. That's great. Thank you so much.